less stress, more time, more money. Welcome to the Cash Flow Contractor. Deep Dive. Well, Martin, welcome back to the Cash Flow Contractor. It's good Thank to you, be sir. back in your office, in your yeah. conference room. Yeah. Um, I was already here. He, no, you've I been here for I'm a while. I'm technically not back. Well, welcome me then. Well, welcome. Thanks. Khalil. Appreciate it. Yeah. yeah. Sine qua non. You know what that means? <laughs> no, I don't. It means without which not. It's a critical element. So without sine qua non Khalil and our friend Ethan over here, none of this would happen. You <laughs> wouldn't get the benefit of our combined wisdom. That's that's yeah. fair so enough. Sine qua non. We'll start calling you sine. Sine. Yeah. I like that. Everybody like will that. just think that's a Moroccan name or something. Probably. Probably. Uh, how are you liking this weather? I like it. It's about... It's, it's cold. It's about it's cold 30 today? Side. Oh, it's colder than that. Cold than that? Yeah. It's going to get down to like the high is two on Monday? Yeah. Which, uh, you know, our mutual client in Canada up there in Cold Lake, Alberta, Canada, <laughs> he's just laughing at us. He he's, sent me a picture of the... He's like, I'm out in my shorts when it's minus two. Minus 46.8 centigrade. And centigrade in Fahrenheit I think it was like 58. Minus 40. Yeah, so, so it was like 58 Fahrenheit, negative 58. Uh, I got to do the math. I'm, I'm going to do the math real quick. Minus okay. 48 times 2 is minus 96. Plus 32 is minus 64. We'll, we'll uh, have to double check that because I don't know that we are. You take Fahrenheit okay. and you subtract 32. Okay. Divide the remainder by 2. Okay. That's centigrade. So if you start at minus, well, here's the check. Minus 40 is the same for both. So minus 40 times 2. We're going the other way. Okay. Minus 40 times 2 is minus 80. Yeah. Plus 32. Okay. Is minus like 48. So, yep. and the reason it's not exactly 40 is it's not really double or half. Yeah. So it's I think it's a little bit less. Yeah. I bet it's like 55, negative 55. It's cold. It's cold. It's cold. Well, uh, 15 inches maybe of snow on Monday. Right. Or Sunday, Sunday, Monday? Sunday or Monday, yeah. It's exciting. Yeah. It's going to be interesting. Um, yeah, I I don't fare too well with the cold, but uh, it's good to be inside. Yeah. Well, like you say, you got to have a job to take a vacation because there's nothing to compare it to. So yeah. you have to have cold to appreciate the warm, and you got to have warm to create appreciate the cold, and you got to have <laughs> day to appreciate the night, and you got to have night to appreciate the day. So, so contrast makes life rich. It's true. You got to have a bad balance sheet in order to appreciate a good balance sheet <laughs> later on, right? Sure. That yeah, absolutely. Seriously, you got to yeah. know the score. Ooh. Got another segue. Well, hey, you that, know where the word segue comes from? Uh, the thing that you ride around? No. <laughs> <laughs> I think it's Latin based, but in Spanish it means to follow. Oh. Yeah. I know okay. that because I watched a in- indoor soccer game when I was coaching. And one of the dads on this little girl's uh, Hispanic dad was, was yelling at his daughter, Sigala, 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 follow it, follow it, follow it. Um, Which is not the advice I would have given him. I would have said, get it. But, get uh, it. <laughs> but anyway, she was following it all. You know, I had a great idea, Martin, about how to figure out how many listeners we have without looking at the analytics, all that kind of stuff. I know a lot of the guys that are listening are probably driving around listening to this. So if you are doing that, just put your hazards on right now and then we can count i'm blinded we can count all the anytime you see hazards on the road now you know that they're listening to the cash flow contractor there you go (laughs) yeah they're on the side of the road speaking of which uh what do you know about spacex what do they call it the uh 
satellites they're putting up? No. Oh. You're going to butcher this, but I'll listen. No, no, no. SpaceX has put up yeah. 300 satellites already sure. so that we have worldwide global um, satellite internet. Okay. And it's called something. But Laura, my daughter in Colorado, texted me this morning. She said, it's ruined our sky. If you Google, hang on. We can cut this part out, too. Let me see what the name of it was. Cutting things Ethan, out. Ethan, do you know what I'm talking about? It's ruined the sky in Colorado or everywhere? Starlink. Starlink. Yeah, Google Starlink. And there are these streaks in the sky. And they're doing some kind of maneuver right now. But uh, the sky is changing because there are so many satellites. Of these satellites up there. Interesting. Anyway, she was complaining because she said they're ruining our night sky. Oh, I see them. Yeah. It, looked, it just looks like a bunch of shooting stars. It does. Well, that is a camera deal. That's You're not going to uh, see that exactly, but you are going to see the, the motion. 300 satellites moving in concert. It's pretty... And did you know they'd already shot up 300 satellites, SpaceX? That's Elon I mean, Musk's deal? Satellites all the time. 300? Yeah. Well... They've been doing it for years. Well, SpaceX has? Mm-hmm. Oh. Yeah. Well... It was like five years ago or so, maybe more. That 300's they, a lot, man. That's yeah. one every three days in five years, if I, my math, my fast math there. Roughly. Anyway, that's that's a lot. Anyway. But you can do send multiple satellites in one launch. Right. So, anyways. So, um, anyway. Okay. Balance sheet. Well, connecting that to the balance sheet. Right. As Let's I like you to do, do that. These segues are just so great. The, all of these different satellites in the atmosphere are causing a lot of traffic in the sky. Right. Right. And it's you're the same thing. When I'm trying to follow here. When you're an entrepreneur and you start creating all these different businesses, these different satellites, and you start throwing them out there, your balance sheet gets really complicated. And it's just all over the place. And so you might need to focus on the one. I don't know. I'm trying. I know. Yeah. We'll, we'll link it together. We'll somehow. link Starlink Maybe we it. can do that in editing. <laughs> okay. Balance sheet. We've been on this okay. series on financial statements. We've done an overview of all the financial statements, why they're important. We've covered the profit and loss statement. Now we are on to the balance sheet. So for the contractor who says, well, what do most business owners, the majority of small business owners, what do they say about the balance sheet? They have no idea? Well, <clears throat> let's, let's review real quickly. There are three financial statements, common right. financial statements, the income statement, profit and loss. Yeah. The balance sheet and the statement of cash flows. What I've found over the years, and we talked about it in the last uh, podcast, is I've never met anybody who didn't intuitively understand what a profit and loss was. Right. They're trying to think, well, this is how much is coming in and this is how much is going out. So that's a rudimentary understanding, but people understand, uh, I, maybe you're born with it, I don't know, but it, the understanding of how much came in and how much went out. Uh, it's a little more sophisticated than that, but at least mm -hmm. they understand that. So people understand a profit and loss. Most people that I have, uh, that I've worked with or talked with small businesses have at least heard of a balance sheet. Sure. And that's typically because their banker asked them for one. Mm -hmm. And uh, then just completing the three reports, the, the third report, the statement of cash flows, and talking with hundreds and hundreds of business owners I can't really even remember ever meeting a business owner who had even heard of it, yeah. let alone used it. 
So those are the three, income statement, balance sheet, statement of cash flows, and we're on the balance sheet today. Yeah. And with most business owners not knowing how to look at a balance sheet, they're missing out on quite a bit. Mm-hmm. What are some of the most common things that you see that they're missing out on? Well, let me back up just a little bit and say what, what goes into a balance sheet. Well, no, okay. I, I want to know like what, what people, like what are some of the questions that this is going to help them answer? Well, it is the score. Right. Okay. Right. It's the score as of a, as of a particular point in time. It, it tells you a lot. And one of the things you and I were talking about before is all of Wall Street, all of finance, mm-hmm. all this stuff you've ever heard of is based on the balance sheet and the P&L. Mm-hmm. Okay? So it can get so far and so sophisticated. People get PhDs. That's what finance is, right? Uh, you can get a PhD in how to use the balance sheet right? Uh, in combination with a profit and loss because you need information from both. But, but they're... They are the score. Uh, a balance sheet is what we call a, a snapshot statement. The profit and loss tells you what happened between two dates, like January 1st of last year and December 31st of last year. Between that year, how much did I sell? How much did I spend? Yeah. Okay, so it's a period statement. It tells you what happened over a period of time. The balance sheet is a snapshot take statement. It tells you how you stand at the moment yeah. that you produce that balance sheet. Right. And I mean the moment, because if somebody gets in your QuickBooks and makes another entry and you print another one, it's going to be different, Right. more than likely. So, uh, well, it's going to be different. So it is the score sheet. And to let people kind of understand what that means, there are a lot of accounts on a balance sheet. And each one of them is just like your bank account. Your bank account, if you open your app on your phone, has an, a certain amount of money in it right, right at now. this moment. Yeah. Well, over the last year, 10 years, 20 years, however long you've it's had it, changed it may have gone from millions down to negative to 100,000, all over to arrive at the point that it's at, at this moment. Yeah. Well, where do you stand at this moment in your bank? Where do you stand at this moment in your inventory, your accounts receivable, your credit card debt, your, uh, your payments that you're making on your trucks and your real estate? Every, it is a sum total of everything at that moment, yeah. and it's going to change uh, with every transaction, but at that moment. So in that regard, it's the ultimate score sheet or scorecard that tells you how your business is done. We can talk about what the numbers are. Yeah. Okay. So we've got this uh, snapshot of these accounts. Let's walk through some of what these accounts are. Okay. There's three kinds, right? Right. Uh, and those are assets, liabilities, and equity, right? Right. So let's just kind of go through each of those and explain what they are. Let's start with assets. An asset's something that you own from which you expect to get a future benefit. And it can be intangible or tangible. Intangible, of course, meaning you can't touch it. But an intangible asset is cash in the bank. Yeah. You can go get cash. But, I mean, what you really have is credits on the bank's books. Uh, It can be money that's owed to you as accounts receivable. Those are intangible assets. Another kind of asset is inventory. Yep. You know, you've got parts and materials sitting out in the shop and in your truck. Those are assets. So assets are things that you own. Yeah. Uh, or the company, will say, owns. Liabilities are things that you owe or that the company owes to somebody other than the owner. Mm-hmm. I'll, I'll explain why I said that at the end. But liabilities are your credit card debt, 
your notes payable to the government for last month's payroll taxes that you haven't paid yet, uh, your bank debt for your trucks, your cars, mm-hmm. or your you know your operating line. It's money that you that the company owes people outside the business. Yeah. So that's assets, liabilities. The third one is equity. Equity, succinctly stated, is what the company owes to you, the owner. The owner. So or the partners. Everything, all the assets that your company owns are owed to somebody. The company owes them to somebody. If it owes it to outsiders, they're called liabilities. If it owes it to the owners, it's called equity. Equity, uh, it's not really how a a balance sheet is prepared, and you don't need to know how it's prepared. Matter of fact, you shouldn't even worry about it. Right. But through genius of bookkeeping, it gets prepared. But succinctly stated, equity is the difference between what you own and what you owe to other people. It's what's left over for you. Mm-hmm. Okay, uh, so that's what equity is. So over the years, you've accumulated all these assets, and you've accumulated hopefully not as many liabilities. Uh, and the difference between the two is what's left over for you, and that's called equity. Right. So those are the three accounts, uh, I, and that's also why they call it a balance sheet. All the assets are owed to somebody, and outsiders are you. So the total of what's owned has to exactly equal the total of what's owed and that's why it balances right and that answers the the three of the six questions that we had outlined Mm -hmm. really five plus the sixth um first one was am i making money we looked at the balance sheet for that a profit loss or sorry the the profit loss then we look at the balance sheet for the next three which are what do i own what do i owe and what's left over for me which are the accounts there the assets Mm -hmm. are what do i own the liabilities are what do I owe, and then the equity is what's left over for me. Um, cue the uh, fire, fire department segment. Yeah, um, the statement of cash flows will help us to answer where did my cash go. Yeah, and that sixth question can be answered by any of these on what should I and do. And the sixth question is what should I do? Right. So all of the reports help inform you on what you should do about the future. Absolutely. So. Let's get some examples of the balance sheet at work and how it has maybe helped, you know, a, a business in a, a specific situation. I know that both of us know Michael Barnett. We had him on the podcast. Uh, we'll probably link to that in the show notes. But he had a pretty interesting in- inventory situation. Right. Well, and I think we've talked about it before too. But understanding what you own is important. Let, let me jump back just a little bit. Everybody driving around who's been in business for any period of time has running in their head. I got this much money in the bank and these guys owe me that much money. If they pay me on time, I got to pay the payroll. I got Friday coming up, plus I got my debt. Anyway, you're always running around doing that math. Yeah. You just you just are. We've all done it. We're all still in business. We still do that. And that that is how probably the majority of small businesses run. The owner or somebody in that position uh, are keeping track mentally of what do I own and what do I owe? Right. Now they're particularly worried about what do I own that I can turn into cash quickly mm-hmm. versus what do I owe that's going to require cash quickly. Yeah. And on the balance sheet, those two categories of things are split into sub-accounts. So you have current assets and you have current liabilities. And I'm getting to Barnett here in just a minute. Yeah. But the current assets are things uh, like cash. That's as current as you can get because it's... Liquid. Uh, it's liquid, yeah. We didn't use that word yet, but liquid means how fast can it 
liquidity is how fast you can convert something into cash or negative liquidity is how fast something is going to require cash. So uh, when you're walking around in your business, you're thinking about how much cash you have, which is liquid. Yeah. You're thinking about accounts receivable. Maybe you've got some inventory and you say, man, if I could sell that one generator I got sitting out in the shop, that's eight grand. You know, I could get that. But those are current assets, something that you can convert to cash pretty quickly, at least yeah. reasonably. And what most people do is you also compare that to your current liabilities. Ooh, I got payroll. That's pretty current, right? Yeah. I mean, actually, you don't probably have that as a liability, but payroll taxes are a liability. I owe this credit card debt. Ooh, I can probably hedge on that, but I got to make the minimum. Um, got to pay the subcontractor. Yeah, I got to pay the subcontractor. That's Materials, due on the 15th, you know. Uh, and vendor. My, my vendors are shutting me off yep. if I don't make a payment and get current, right? Mm -hmm. So you're constantly going through your head doing that mental gymnastics. You're balancing things. Pardon? You're, you're, you're balancing them. Yeah. Yeah. And if you have a good current balance sheet, you don't have to do that because you can walk in, get on the computer, and print a balance sheet on the accrual basis as of today. And look, and there are your current assets, and there are your current liabilities, and you can compare the two. Right. Okay. What I, in fact, see, uh, we haven't really talked about the problems yet, but what I see most of the time is accounts receivable or current assets, right? Mm -hmm. they're, they're money that people owe you, and, they're, and they're, they come from invoicing. Finish the job, you invoice. That invoice is an accounts receivable. Well, when we get into books with most companies, and there's a place where you can look to see who owes you what. Right. When we open that up for the first time, everybody goes, well, that's not right. That guy already paid me. That number's negative. Why is it? How's it? How come it's negative? And I don't know what that is. And Billy Johnson ought to be on there. We invoiced him. So in other words, they got no idea. Right. Because their books aren't good. If you get your books good, you establish some systems, you can always relieve yourself. You might not like what you see, mm -hmm. but you can at least look with certainty and see uh, how quickly or how much money you could come up and how you balance off right. to being able to pay your, um, your current liabilities. And I think this is where also for business owners, when they look at this balance sheet, if it is up to date, they just they send it off to a CPA or whatever and they got it figured out. Right. Yeah. And they they get look it a at year it later. Well, well, then they then they go and they look at their balance sheet and they're like, I don't have this money. Right. <laughs> and they're like, they, you say I just made this much profit. I don't have any money here. Right. And it's because it's tied up in a lot of these, you know, not liquid um, right. uh, assets like receivables, for example. Yeah. And getting back to Barnett, the big the big issue with uh, Michael, who has his own interview on here mm -hmm. earlier episode was that he had about $150,000 worth of inventory sitting in his shop. Right. Which explained why he wasn't as profitable as he thought because he didn't have it recorded as inventory, he had it as expense. Mm -hmm. But he still had it. Right. It was an asset. He didn't use it. He still had it. But it wasn't reflected on his balance sheet. So when he looked at his balance sheet, he had assets, which is a good thing. I mean, it's a bad thing to have a bunch of inventory sitting around you don't need, but at least you still have it. Right. So his balance sheet wasn't correct uh, because his inventory wasn't correct. Yeah. And now he's solved yeah, that. He we talked we talked about that in the episode, right. but he's got on-time inventory essentially where there's a vendor that literally sets up shop inside of his warehouse, inside of his warehouse and has charges him for it as he uses it. Yeah, for the day like he literally scans things out of his shop to put on the truck and when it goes actually it's even on the it's scanned on the truck. 
Well, I'm not sure they've gotten there yet. But they're about to, where yeah, literally whenever the part to... the person uses it, that's whenever it's right. charged. Right. So it's yeah, really the interesting. The best way to handle inventory is not to have it. <laughs> exactly. Somebody has to have inventory. Yeah. So um, I think there's another, you, you talked about printing out, you know, knowing where you stand, looking at the scorecard. Mm-hmm. And there's another client that does literally does that, right? Where to know where he stands... He sits there and he just prints it off and looks at his balance sheet and knows yeah, what he I mean, We had a, a guy who kind of kept books but got really good at it yeah. and keeps really good books. And he does it himself. He's small enough. I mean, he's a pretty good-sized company, mm-hmm. but he's small enough in terms of jobs and payroll that he keeps them himself. And he's fastidious about it. And he, he literally does that. He just looks at his uh, balance sheet and he can see where he stands. And he's... Uh, we'll talk about here in just a minute, uh, ratio. He has a, what's called a really good current ratio. He has a lot more current assets than he has current liabilities. Mm. So he can feel pretty confident. He doesn't yeah. have to, he's, he's just released the, the mental stress Yeah. and uh, not knowing. And even if you have stress, but you do know, now you know what you have to do. <laughs> you have yeah. to make it not, you have to make it good. Yeah. Well, let's, jump to talking about some of those ratios, some of those yeah. common uses. Yeah. Um, so we have the current ratio that you just mentioned. What is that? What does that mean? Why well, is it helpful? Just contrast real quickly. The, at its simplest form, a balance sheet is just a list of stuff. Right. Right? It's the things you own, the things you owe, and what's left over. It's just a list. And it's very useful in that because you can look and see what I have in my bank. By the way, what you have on your app there, there are not so many checks nowadays, but if you keep current books, it shows you what you really have in the bank if all the deposits and the checks clear, okay? Not too many people write checks, but people still do. So when you go to your bank app and look, and it, the, what the bank says you have in the bank may not be what you have in the bank after all the payroll checks and the uh, deposits that come in later and deposits that you made as checks clear. So Yeah. So... The first use of a balance sheet is just a list of information, and it's good information. But um, the highest and best use of of a balance sheet, which most people won't be concerning themselves with today, but once you realize how important it is, you might take a look, but is ratios, okay? Right. So a ratio, of course, is just some number divided by some other number, right? Mm -hmm. Gives you a ratio. For example... You can have current assets of $100,000 and current liabilities of $50,000, right? Yep. So if you died 100000 by 50000 you get two. So it's two to one. You have $2 worth of current assets for every dollar of current liabilities. Right. You say, well, I don't need that kind of stuff. Well, that's the kind of stuff banks use when you take mm-hmm. it to them. And you say, hey, I want to borrow some money. <laughs> well, they, they're they doing it. I promise you, there's a guy sitting or a gal sitting in the back room working a whole bunch of ratios. So it's beneficial that you understand what banks, in is just as an example, regard as important ratios and what good values are for those ratios. And here's why. Banks, they, they want to lend you money because mm-hmm. that's how they make money. But they want you to pay it back. So you have a common interest. You want them to lend you money, and you want to be able to pay it back. So it's it's worthwhile to understand what banks use to evaluate the health of your company 
and that you use those same measures. Yeah, they're using it for a reason. <laughs> right, they're using it for a reason. And you're thinking, well, I'm not going to go figure out my debt coverage ratio and some other ratios, inventory term ratios and day sale outstanding ratio. I'm not going to figure all that stuff out. Why would I do that? Well, what I just said. <laughs> yeah. You can pinpoint places where you have problems, and once you know what the problems are, you can do the things necessary to start fixing them, and then the balance sheet and these ratios show you how you're doing. I have one client, uh, among my favorite, just kept good books, but just an exceedingly bright person, but not trained in this at all. And most of the companies I work with, we work mostly with the balance sheet. I mean, the profit loss. We want to get sales up, we want the margins up, we want to break right. even sooner and all this. I don't have that many that we work with on balance sheet ratios, but this client does. And it's a hoot. And one of the things that we look at is the current ratio. Okay, uh, If you talk to a bank, they'll tell you that the current ratio, current assets divided by current liabilities, that 100000 divided by 50000 we, in our example, we said two to one. It needs to be 1.2 to one or better. Yeah. Okay, that means that you have a dollar twenty of current assets for every dollar of near-term debt, current right. debt. That's kind of weak because yeah. part of your current assets is your uh, inventory, mm -hmm. and you might not be able to get your cash out of that inventory that fast. Part of your current uh, assets are your accounts receivable, and I know that everybody listening is always paid exactly on time by on your time. clients. Do upon receipt for everything. And, I mean, and it happens, and it happens every time. I mean, I know people are going to be laughing at the thought that somebody could actually owe them money past when it was due, but it has happened. <laughs> so just because you have it in uh, current assets listed as receivables or inventory doesn't mean you're actually going to get your money out of it. It just means you got a good chance of it. Right. So 1.21, having a dollar twenty of current assets for every dollar of liabilities Kind of weak. Yeah. But that's an acceptable, I mean, banks will look at that, okay? Now, here's another one that's pretty interesting. Suppose that you took your balance sheet and your profit and loss to the bank and you made a lot of money last year. 2020 was a good year for you, as is true of a lot of companies, believe it or not, even with COVID. Yeah. You go to your bank, you take your balance sheet, and you take your uh, profit and loss to them. You go, man, I need to borrow $200,000 because I need operating line of credit. And they call you back a, few, a couple. Of, they don't. Even, they don't even call you back. They just send you a, a message that says, "Ha ha 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 ha." <laughs> you know. You go. What the hell? Well, you can make money, and you can have a good current ratio, but you may not have a a good debt coverage ratio. Mm. Okay. So what the heck? What is, is that? a debt coverage okay. ratio? Debt coverage. You owe X amount of debt that shows up in your liability. You owe a million bucks. Right. But you have to pay a certain amount on that every month. Your car payment, your truck payment, your equipment lease, your real estate payment, your line of credit payment. Maybe you got to pay $10,000 a month. Right. Okay. Well, all debt is paid out of profits. Debt is, in fact, an advance on future profits. So you have to make enough profit every month to pay your debts. Right. Just it's a, it's a form of break-even. You can break-even by paying all your expenses and then start make profit, but still not have made enough profit to pay your debt. To pay your debt, your debt payments. You mm -hmm. know, I'm not talking about paying off the whole million bucks. Just I owe ten thousand every month. I have to make at least ten thousand mm -hmm. dollars to have a chance at doing that. And in passing, they'll say you're still not out of the woods because just because you made ten thousand dollars doesn't mean you got paid 
buy those guys or that you exactly. didn't buy anyway. But you have to at least make $10,000 or you can't pay off your debt. Yeah. I mean, you have no chance at it. So a debt coverage ratio is the same thing. What's my profit compared to my monthly or annual, but we'll use monthly debt payments. And the banks, again, like to see that at about 1.2, 1.25 to 1. In other words, I make a dollar twenty-five cents in profit for every dollar I have to pay out in debt. Okay, this one client, we are managing by that. We are managing. It's a it's a bit much just to talk about in the interview, but we have a target of one point five to one. Now they make good money. Uh, they make a nice profit. They actually have a lot of cash, but they got a lot of debt. Right. So when we went and they could use some more assets that they could sell and things like that. So. Went and talked to the banks about it. The bank came back and said, with a ha, 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 ha. <laughs> I mean, they, it wasn't that bad. But they said, no. So we took a look at it and said, you know what? We're going to manage to a debt coverage ratio that's better than the bank wants. And we're doing it. It affects our decisions. Don't buy this. Don't buy that. Get that debt down. There are all kinds of things you can do if, if your debt payments uh, – are too much each month. Sometimes you can refinance, roll everything in, extend it. You didn't get rid of any debt, but you reduced debt, your debt coverage you, ratio. Your, yeah, you reduce the payments every month and you get your ratio up. Well, I dare say that most people in the contracting business I've worked with aren't thinking about that kind of stuff. Yeah, it's it's a level beyond, uh, but it's a very sophisticated and very important level. Mm-hmm. Uh, there are a couple of other uh, ratios out there that people should be thinking about. And one of them is called day sales outstanding. So the three reasons presaging the uh, uh, statement of cash flows, but if if you make a profit, but you Mm -hmm. don't have any money, there are three possible reasons. One is you haven't been paid yet, right? Accounts receivable, I made a big profit, but nobody's paid me yet. The second one is you already spent your profit paying down debt, like we just talked about, or buying assets such as inventory. So you already spent the money that you made. And the third reason is you took it, meaning that you took it out of your company as a draw, not an expense, a draw. But those are the three reasons that um, you could possibly make money and and not have any. Mm -hmm. So of those, one of the main measures is uh, accounts receivable. I mean, it's huge. Uh, Typical company, and I challenge people to look if you have good enough books to do this. I will bet you that at this moment you have more accounts receivable. In other words, you have loaned more money to your customers than you made last year. Hmm. I mean, I, I see prof- made, th- made profit, made in profit last gotcha, year. Gotcha, gotcha. So you made a hundred thousand last year. You got three hundred thousand of outstanding accounts receivable. That means you loaned all of your profit times three to your customers. Yep. Yep. And we can talk about how that happens. You had to borrow money from the bank in order to lend that much anyway it just it's insane when you yeah. start looking at that so and you're not getting interest on your customers yeah you're not getting interest matter of fact it's high risk because there's a percentage of it you're probably not, not going to get, get paid yeah. i mean uh non-business owners i love it people have never been in business well i get paid <laughs> oh yeah yeah uh, good luck come on good luck come on you know and we kind of talked about our inventory but inventory turns is another one right right uh, well, just just stand with Dave's oh, okay. DSO. There's a method that you can use uh, from your information on your balance sheet of uh, how quickly you turn your accounts receivable. In other words, you give people li- uh, 
credit and pay me in 30 days, which is crazy. I don't know why people go with 30 days. I mean, working with big GCs, they're going to pay you when the hell they want, but we'll talk about that too. But you give them 30 days. Well, they pay you 60. Right. Okay. So your days say there's an average number out there of how much money you have loaned out and for how long. Mm-hmm. And I won't go into all the math right now. I've got some articles on it. But if you cut that in half, it's just like freeing up it's hundreds of thousands of dollars. Yeah. So you start paying attention to that. Well, I can't make that guy pay me. Well, there are things you can do. But one of the things you can do, and this is true of a client that I had, they were delayed by about 15 days before they sent the bill. Oh. And then we also have uh, Jan Reeves on yeah. about putting in systems to get paid. But inexcusable. People say, yeah. well, we bill on the 20th of the month. I go, what the hell are you talking about? You bill at 2 o'clock every day, and then you also bill at 5. <laughs> right? Because yeah. if it's a 30-day meter, get the sucker started. Yeah. Then the question becomes, why didn't we bill every day? Why don't we bill every day? Well, it's too complex. What do you mean it's too complex? Well, guys got to get me the information, materials, use hours. Well, then get it. Get it. I mean, right? It's, it's, it's worth hiring another person just right. to do that. I mean, depending on the size of your company, right, exactly. but absolutely it is. Yeah. I mean, but also, if you know your DSO, you can answer that question. Mm-hmm. I could say, or I could free up a quarter of a million dollars worth of cash by billing 15 days earlier. Yeah. There's a formula so you can know that number. Okay. Mm-hmm. It's, we're not just jabbering. Is it worth it to me to hire a, a clerk to bill every day? Yeah. Besides, I'll use an answer the phone. Well, quite likely it is because it's not even the cost of the money. It's the fact that you can't do things because you don't have it. Right. Right? So understanding the day sales outstanding, how long your accounts receivable are out there. Then what you just brought up. Another one is inventory turns. Okay? If you sell a uh, million dollars a month, and your cost of goods sold is six hundred thousand dollars, right? Right, and you do that every month. I shouldn't have done that. Sixty, seventy-two, seven, seven hundred twenty thousand dollars worth of inventory turns cost of goods sold in a year. What's your average inventory? If your average inventory on hand is seven hundred twenty thousand dollars, in other words, you have literally sitting out in the warehouse seven hundred or on, and on truck seven hundred twenty thousand dollars worth of stuff. Mm-hmm. And your cost of goods sold for the whole year is seven hundred twenty thousand. You've turned your inventory once. <laughs> Makes sense. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Right. Makes sense. If I have three hundred and sixty thousand dollars worth of average inventory on hand, but I generate seven hundred twenty thousand of cost of goods sold, I've turned my inventory twice. Right. What if you could turn it ten times? It's just right? less You'd have cash. Seventy-two thousand. Well, it's efficient. It's efficient. Less cash tied up. It's less cash tied up, but also when you have less inventory sitting around, you got less theft. You got less damage from a forklift driving over it. Right. You've got less risk uh, that it's obsolete. Oh well, we want the new model. <laughs> well, I don't. I've got the old model. Well, I'm only going to pay you half for the old model. So there are a lot of reasons not to have inventory. There are a lot of reasons to have inventory, but to manage it properly. Well, how are you going to manage it properly? If you don't have a scorecard, the scorecard to begin with is how many times did I turn my inventory last year and how are we doing this year? I'm going to get better at it. And you do twice as well. And then you do three times as well the following year. And those things are management that really extend beyond just did I get the sale? Right. And that's where you're really starting to get the squeal out of the pig. And that's balance sheet stuff. 
and with that inventory, that's where a lot of people will say, oh, wow, there's, I'm going to get a 10% discount or 20% discount on the inventory, and they tie up all their cash. Absolutely. And yeah. then they're not even able to do, sometimes probably a, a turn in a full year. Yeah. Because they're holding on to so much inventory yeah. that they bought that they don't even go through it in a year. Well, we, we've talked about it before, but profit and loss and making money in the form of a profit in a business and cash management are related, but they're two different things. Yep. And we'll get more and more into it with the statement of cash flows. But yeah, I see that all the time. If I buy five of those, I get free freight. <laughs> well, I need three. Yeah, I don't need five. Well, I'll use them. Well, go visit Michael Barnett's old shop. <laughs> you know, they don't even know they got them, right? Yeah, you forget and about if, it. And if they do track them, then they would know they had them on their balance sheet. But, but anyway, what do we have that for? So even though you can save a few bucks on freight or maybe quantity, that's, a, that's another position uh, when you get to the right size as purchasing agent who can buy economic order quantities and yeah. figure that out, but have minimum inventory levels, not just buying stuff on the on the spur of the moment because the salesman was on the phone. He goes, yeah. man, we're having a special. Oh, give me a bunch of them, or I'm going to use it anyway. I think as we talk about, oh, this is what the Wall Street guys use is the balance sheet and the profit and loss statement. And as we've gone through this series, I know a lot of contractors are thinking, man, I still over my head, and this is a lot to think about. And I, I think if you can just take it step by step, it'll, it'll go a long way. And if you think about these Wall Street guys, they all have finance degrees, mm-hmm. and they've been. This is all they focus on. It is mm-hmm. a full time job, and so you've got to find somebody in your corner that can really help you think about these ratios. Think about, you know, the health of your balance sheet, the health of all of your financial statements, and it, if you think about it, it, it's where you're going to become a better manager, a better owner, a better operator, because every single one of these private equity groups that goes and buys a company. They're looking at this and they're looking at these ratios and saying, hey, how can we get that day sales outstanding Mm -hmm. down, right? Mm -hmm. Is it just an invoicing problem? Is it a terms problem on our invoices? Uh, Is it it an issue about getting the invoices out or follow-ups? That right there, if they can fix just that one thing, can change the health of a business Mm -hmm. and it can make that business worth so much more. Um, The current ratio, all those different things, that's that's what they're looking at. And they're looking for businesses that have these errors where they're like, oh, we know how to fix that. Let's buy this, turn it around in six months and completely change the right. value of the company. Um, and so just understand that if, if a private equity group can go and do that and change the valuation of a company, you can go and you do, it do it if you have the help. We'll have episodes on that in the future a- of how to literally do that. A- absolutely. absolutely. Most, most of the guys driving around, I know from experience, I guess I don't know who's listening at this moment, but I know from experience, many small business owners don't believe their companies have value Yeah, beyond real estate equipment inventory. Right? Yeah. They don't believe it. Yeah, because they're stressed out. They're like, they're, who would want this? Yeah, they, literally, <laughs> I hear that all the time. Who would want it? Because yeah. they're going crazy. Yeah. Well, your business does have value. You give yourself credit for everything that you've done to get where you are. Yeah. You had to get a phone number, had to get a name, had to create an LLC, had to get some customers, you bought a truck kind of figured some things out. Hopefully you've hired a couple of people and begin to leverage yourself. Maybe you've hired 150 people. By the Mm -hmm. time you get to that size, guys are starting to think, my business does have value. Right. But we'll have a whole episode on what it takes to maximize that value. Well, and a lot of guys, 
I think it's also helpful to understand these things as you think about growing. I'm sure there's contractors out there that have thought about buying out another company locally, um, you know, swallowing them up into the, and bringing them inside. And if you understand this stuff, you're really going to see the value in some of those things rather than trying to hire, you know, five new sales guys or pour a bunch of new money into marketing or whatever it is to try to grow your business. Sometimes it's a lot easier to just go and find a company that's stressed out, tired, doesn't have the systems in place, but they have business that you can go and buy and you can fix all the problems by just putting in your systems. And now you've grown through acquisition. Which one's my client? (laughs) <laughs> the buyer or the seller. Right. But you're you're exactly right because that again, that's the whole point of of all the financial statements is they tell you what the score is. Mm-hmm. And they tell you they pinpoint where the problems are mm-hmm. and give you ideas of what to do to change it. And then they show you how your changes are working. So we've been talking about a lot of things on financial statements, but maybe your thing is cash flow. Maybe you've got five times that. Go look. Yeah. Go look. And I'll, I'll be interested. How do you know what people owe you? If you have good books, you click on the accounts receivable and look. But how much do people owe you and how much money did you make last year? Mm-hmm. I will bet you it's at least three times that amount you've got loaned out. Yeah. And that's what it is. You've loaned it to your customer. Yeah. Lent. Lent it to your customer. Lent it to your customer. The loan is the thing. So. Not the verb. Uh, the next episode that what we're going to be talking mm-hmm. about is the statement of cash flows mm-hmm. but you can't we can't talk about that if you don't have an accrual right. based balance sheet why right. is that well the statement of cash flow takes information from your income statement the, the statement of cap presaging the next episode sure is really simple when you get it but it's really hard to get it <laughs> based on my own experience and the experience of me trying to explain it I have a shortcut that makes it really easy. But once once the light bulb goes on, you're going, duh. It's so simple. Right. But it literally shows you exactly where your money went. And so it uses information from the balance sheet. Uh, and think about it. Some of where your money went is that you lent it to your customers, right? Mm-hmm. So that is a non-cash item. That, has, that will only show up on an accrual-based balance sheet. Right. But it shows up on the balance sheet and only on accrual remember cash it wouldn't show up because cash basis doesn't count anything until it's settled right so you need an accrual based balance sheet for things like asset assets and accounts receivable and you need an income statement because the amount of profit that you make Mm -hmm. or loss that you lose or also contribute to your cash so you you need both those two things to be able to do the otherwise there's no such thing as statement of cash flow it uses information from those to, to tell you where your cash went. Right. That's really important. Absolutely. So make sure that you have your balance sheet, that you have right. your profit and loss all in order before trying to look at a right. statement of cash flows or you're really going to be lost. Uh, you're not going to be able to really and have we'll, we'll reiterate, um, if you have books and all you do is need to make some modifications, make sure they're current, you're making current entries, make mm-hmm. sure that... You clean up your accounts receivable. If that guy doesn't owe you, then you get it off. If that guy does owe you, make sure it's on there, those kind of things. Um, if you don't have good books, if you're operating off your bank statements and stuff, it's not you. You're not going to do it. Uh, you don't have time, and you won't be very good at it. You'll get frustrated, and it won't happen. You have to get a qualified accountant or a really good bookkeeper. Yeah. Um, 
it really good means they understand more than just how to use QuickBooks. They have to understand these things we're talking about. Right. Get get them to do it for you. Mm-hmm. Then you pick one. You don't have to track every. There are a lot more ratios. A lot mm-hmm. more. You don't have to track all the ratios, but you pick one. Yeah. If cash flow is a problem and accounts receivable is a problem, then you start tracking your day sales outstanding. Yeah. And see if it goes from 60 days to 45 days to 41 days. Mm-hmm. And you track it. And uh, you have to have good books to do that. But it's not up to you to set it up. Absolutely. And you shouldn't even have to do the ratios. Tell your accountant you want the ratio every Monday morning. Absolutely. And another thing is build a, start building a relationship with a banker if you don't have one. And ask them these questions. Hey, what ratio, What are my ratios and what are you concerned about? Right. If you were going to... Because they're trying to look for healthy businesses to lend money to. Right. And so they're going to be able to distinguish if you're a healthy business or not. And you can ask them, hey, why am I not a healthy business in your eyes? And that's just going to help you right there understand things from some an outsider's that's perspective. A, that's a really good point. Your your stock will go up in the eyes of your banker. I, I, They're not going to loan you money unless you got collateral. Exactly. But, but your stock will go up if you ask those questions. And yeah. they, I, I say in my book, if ask your banker. Yeah. What ratios they're looking for. Yeah. And if they won't tell you, go find another bank. Exactly. Because that's what they do. Mm-hmm. And you have a common interest. And they're also, sometimes that's a really good place to start because they do know the accountants that are good at this stuff. Right. They do know the bookkeepers that can help you um, because they've had to do it before. They've helped other businesses get loans by cleaning up their books, getting making right. sure that every statement was accurate, knowing the ratios, because they're not going to lend money to companies that don't have these things in order. Um, and another thing I will mention that if you're smaller and you're like, man, we're just not big enough to where this stuff even matters. That's not true. Yeah. Maybe you're not going to be going and getting financing for millions of dollars to buy equipment or whatever it is just yet. But the smaller you are, the smaller these problems are to fix. Well, you know, that's an interesting point, but that's the point of ratios. Yeah. That's what ratios do. They make... So you have 100,000 of current assets and 50,000 of debt, that's two to one. You can have $100 million worth of current assets and $50 million worth of- And have the same ratio. And it's two to one. Yep. That's the important thing. And that's why a bank can say, we're looking for 1.2 to one Mm -hmm. debt coverage ratio. Okay, well, I don't care if you're Devon Energy, which is a huge um, energy company here in Oklahoma City, or you're Mr. Mom and Pop AC, plumbing and electrical service yeah the ratios and get to know what good ratios are kind of have them in your mind Mm -hmm. they guide your decisions yeah they guide your decisions if i'm trying to get the dso down you know what i've got to do this i got to bill promptly i got to call that guy i got to have a system january system where we follow up automatically and say did you get the bill did it go to the right person everything look all right anyway you just do these things Mm -hmm. that get the time down yeah, absolutely. Figure it out now, not later. Don't right. don't say, oh, they'll figure it out after this job or whatever, or whenever I get this many this many employees. No, go do it now and have set in place the habit of looking at the balance sheet of having those things in order because it's only going to get harder if you wait. Hey, I want to point out one thing. Yeah, uh, on the uh, balance sheet, <clears throat> people understand assets. People understand liabilities. But you get to equity, there are all these things. Equity just kind of sits there on a balance sheet. Mm-hmm. There'll be things like opening balance equity and mm-hmm. owner's contributions and owner's withdrawals and retained earnings and current earnings. Well, a lot of those things, it's 
kind of obscure how you got there. Accountants made the entries. And yeah. Anyway, you know. Uh, but there are two numbers on there that are really interesting. And they're the last two right before you get to the very bottom of a balance sheet. And it's retained earnings and current earnings. Retained earnings, when you get a good balance sheet, tell you how much your company has made from the day it began up until the end of last year, December 31st of last year. Current earnings is how much your company's made from January 1st of this year to today. Mm -hmm. At the end of this year, current earnings gets added to retained Retained. earnings. Current earnings goes to zero and you start over again. But that number is always fascinating. Just you just look at it. Yeah. Now, if you haven't kept good books, the number might not be there. Right. But when you've kept good books, you go, wow, I've made $30 million over the last 15 years. I had no idea. Yeah. So that's really interesting. That's good. It's a fun number to know. Well, um, this was part two. Well, really part three, if you count the overview of our financial statements uh, piece. And so we will be going into the last part of the series, the statement of cash flows. Again, check out The Profit Problem, Martin's book. It'll be in the show notes. Uh, It goes through all of these things in greater detail with excellent examples where you can clearly see what the balance sheet looks like, how to read one, what ratios to look at, all those kinds of things. Um, So there's that for more information. And then follow us on social media. Give us a shout out. Share share us with your contractor friends, uh, you know, subs, GCs, whoever it is. And we would love any promotion that you can give us uh, and really enjoy doing this. So thanks for listening. Martin, appreciate your time. See you next time. Thanks for listening to the Cashflow Contractor. Check out our website in the show notes or visit thecashflowcontractor.com.